Mind your speed and your surroundings. Avoid costly collisions. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Three, two, one, engage. Welcome aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode of the Orbital Sword, we're reviewing Air of Fire by Sarah J. Maas. This is book three in the Throne of Glass series. Um, in this book, we follow Selena as she travels to another continent where magic is still very prominent. Uh, she's on orders to... Uh, do an assassination of a king and queen, but instead goes on a journey to learn more about the word signs that are uh, empowering the king that she wants to defeat. So uh, she has to prove herself worthy of entering a magical realm, and uh, that's most of the book is her training to learn how to use her magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's about, that's about it. She, uh, she comes across a bunch of characters, which we'll get into, but, uh, for most of the book, it's that. And then back home, we've got, uh, we've got the prince kind of coming to terms with his magical abilities and, uh, uh, Kale kind of coming to terms with, uh, losing both a friend and, uh, a love, uh, what he's going to do with his life next. So, so, and there's some angry people in Adderlam. Uh, yeah, just a few, just a few. So let, let's talk here, though. Um, this is the third book in the series, and and we were let we left uh, with her being sent away in the last one, and here we are in this new continent with new characters. And while we get hints of what's happening in the the mainland in Otterland's country, we really aren't there. We're really kind of in this continent and following um, Aelin through her journey here. How do you guys feel about this being kind of the third book in the series? Um, what were your overall impressions and initial thoughts in revisiting this land again? Jim, let's start with you. Okay. Uh, really good book. I, I, I very much enjoyed it. And lots of action. I mean, there was a lot of really cool action going on in this book. And, um, the characters, I, I like to see the character growth, uh, that took place in the, in the story, uh, this particular segment of the story. And, uh, I, I think it fits in very well, uh, because, you know, we're preparing Aelin slash Selena to, uh, wipe out Adderland. So I'm look very much looking forward to that. <laughs> so good good david how about you what, what were your thoughts on this? uh i really enjoyed this book uh but it's a weird one i felt this felt like a uh, this felt like a sophomore slum slump uh in some ways not bad but uh it felt like a second book rather than a third book and a part of that is because I felt like it took the formula 
from the first book and then just reapplied it in a new scenario. Um, now, some things went a little bit differently. I'm really glad that she didn't fall in love with... Uh, with um, Rowan? With Rowan, yeah. That she uh, wound up you know, forming a really nice, like, really cool friendship with him. But it looked like it could go either way for a while there because they kept you know, focusing on his uh, masculinity and stuff. And, uh, but it was very, very similar to the first book where she was kind of semi-captured and being trained and having to prove herself. I mean, the difference here is that she's, like, fully into her, her badass self. She's discovering more power. Um, so that made it a little bit more interesting on that side. So to me, that was a little bit of a, a downturn um, as far as it kind of felt like it was repeating itself. But at the same time, the writing is really, really good. The character development is really good. So, you know, it, it didn't really knock it down too much for me in that, in that aspect. It, it did make it a little harder for me to read. Like, I wasn't, like, jumping to come back to the book because I kind of felt like we were treading water. But right. uh, overall, I, st I still really enjoyed the story. You know, David, I, I think that you're kind of right here. I, 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 never, I didn't think about it going through the book the uh, first time that that book three does kind of mirror kind of her rise through the ranks and her proving herself. In the first book, we're getting to know her as an assassin and all her assassin skills that enable her to become the king's champion, right? And then when we hit book three... um when we hit book three, we don't, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 different. She's not doing it. She's doing it really for herself, or she's really doing it, I guess, to get information from Queen Maeve. But it's um, it is much more for herself than it is for King and the ability to control a power that she's had hidden. Um, different, different, but there is a similarity in that journey, and so that. I, I do agree with that part of that, especially especially in having the grumpy, uh, standoffish role model that she fights against and then comes to like adore. Yeah, she is kind of. It does kind of remind you of Kale, right? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's different. It is different. I'm not saying that it's a carbon copy, but it's it, Sarah Dumas is good at writing this type of story, and she just proved that again. It mm -hmm. just happens that it's just very close to, uh, since we're reading these so close together. I mean, maybe if we waited, you know, a year or two between books, we wouldn't. It wouldn't have been as prevalent, right? But uh, and, mm. and to be fair, it is. It is. It is a different journey, as as we kind of have said here. And and I would agree. Like for me, this book and where this book ended, I you know, as you know. Uh, Mr. Read Ahead here. I just picked one book and just one book right after the next book just kind of went <laughs> uh, in. And so this book was compelling enough for me to say, oh, I got to read book four. Oh, I got to read book five. It is interesting you that she, every, every third book, so she departs the land. So we're in King Otterland's land for the first two books. And now, voila, we're across the sea. Um, and you'll see, and this isn't ruining anything, but um, we're in the in the next two books. We're back in Ottolin, but then we're somewhere else. Book six, and so uh, it seems to be a there seems to be a pattern, at least a little bit. Mm. But, but yeah, 
Well, I was only in this for the geography, and now you've totally spoiled <laughs> right, right, the next right. books for me. Right, that is ruined. <laughs> but I well, you know, you know, it's and it seems like we've already segued into into characters, and um, Selena to me is not as self confident as she was in the first book. Now, if there is a difference, that would have to be one of them. She does not seem as sure of herself and her abilities as she was at the beginning. Yeah, I felt the same. That was, that was part of the reset that kind of, like, turned me off at the beginning. I was like, wait, we just spent two books, like, establishing how, how B.A. she is, and now she's she's not. But I felt the story really progressed to that uh, well, and the fact that they kind of pointed out that her magic side, she's afraid to use it. She, it's not just that she wanted to, like before I felt like she was trying to hide it, mm-hmm. but in this, it really turned out that like, not only was she afraid of it, she had a reason to think that she had, had hurt people with it, with that incident as a child, but wasn't really her fault. But, yeah. Well, she had uh, set it aside and was pushing it away and, and didn't right. want it. And, you know, Rowan had to get downright cruel and, and abusive in order to bring it out of her. Right. We, and, and as far as Rowan is concerned, I was, for most of the book, very, very upset with this guy and very angry. Yeah, I mean. And I was hoping, I was hoping he'd get killed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, gl- I'm glad he doesn't. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I think that there, there's a, there's an error of truth, what you guys are saying. I mean, in a lot of ways, what the, the, the Selena we saw or Sadathian that we see in the first two books, she's very confident in her skills. She knows her skills. Um, there's a few areas where you see that she's kind of not a hundred percent, but, but overall she's very confident, but this is a whole new era era. It'd almost be like us watching her grow into becoming an assassin initially. Um, we don't get that. What we do is get is getting her growing into figuring out how to use and control this magic and how to shift. Um, so it is one of the beauties of this book is the first two books, we really d- don't really see quote unquote magic per se. Here we're in a land where magic's voila, totally free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, magic creatures are all over the place, and that was interesting it's because it different. really hits. It really hits. Um, there's old magic, but then there are old creatures that are still kind of unknown that are even more ancient, and I think that kind of peaks like an interest in me. You know? Mm. Yeah, I liked. I really enjoyed that aspect. It had a lot. I know in previous reviews, I was saying. There was like a little that magic was missing in in certain aspects for me, and this definitely came full force that area. Yeah, and, and the mag- magic wasn't didn't really dominate the story, so I didn't have trouble uh, accepting it. It it didn't wind up being a Deus Machina, um, Deus Ex Machina, where it just gets gets called up whenever it's. Uh, an impossible situation, but there were reasons to use magic and it made it okay with me. 
Right. And it's not always the cure-all. It's not always the deus ex machina. Right. No. So, yeah, it's often more underpowered than you'd expect. Yeah. So what do you guys think of Rowan Whitethorn? Drill Sergeant Extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while for him to grow on me because I just saw him as, as a mirror of Kale. And I was kind of like upset with that aspect and I didn't want her to fall in love with him. And I was like, they're not just going to have like her constantly falling in love with other people while she still has open relationships with other, you know, with someone she left behind that, that bugged me. But it, as it went on and, and, and more towards the end of the book, probably towards the big battle, I really started to enjoy his character a lot more. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think <laughs> Selena is completely over Kale. And and I think that was the one reason, one of the reasons that uh, her and Rowan didn't get together. And another one is Rowan didn't have any interest in that. That wasn't what he was there for. Yeah, and right. and, and, and and I and I would agree with that. I think that, and I think that you're right. That Kale is kind of like this open relationship that it they are they are on the outs when he when when she leaves, but. But it, it hasn't been officially dissolved, and I think there's that. And they mentioned that in this book, too, that there's kind of this unspoken thing still kind of hanging over them. And Yeah, well, spoiler alert, I, you know, I, I didn't read ahead, but I, do, I did see somewhere that she, uh, she goes back to settle accounts. Well, yeah, I think and it's even actually at, in the last chapter of the book. Yeah, even, even, even at, the, at the end of this book, aren't they they're sailing away, right? Yeah. She's sailing she back to, to to settle things, right? And it, it's it's kind of made clear on both ends of the stories. Like he's realized through which I'm sure we'll talk about stuff that he's been through that she's beyond him because of her greater purpose, right? And she's heading back, also knowing that he has a greater purpose, yeah, right, and is kind of beyond him in that, right? But then you know, and Rowan, what happened with him is I didn't like him at all. Until, you know, until that last minute when after, uh, oh, what was her name? Queen Maeve was defeated and he knelt down and, and gave her, told her that she, she, blah, blah, wow. She freed him from his obligation to Maeve. Right. And then he in turn turned right around and gave his loyalty to Selena, which I thought was really cool. And then I kind of understood where where Rowan was coming from. That, as I said, a drill sergeant. What do they do when you go into basic training? I don't know. Maybe maybe neither one of you were in in the military at all, but they they take you in and they break you down for the first couple of weeks, and then they start to build you back up again. Right. And that is exactly what Rowan seemed to be doing with Selena, breaking her down and then building her back up so that she could be comfortable using her power if she needed it. No, no, and I, 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 and I agree with that. I think that that's a good assessment of who Rowan is. And yet, there. And yet, at the end, there is an intimacy between them. It's just, it may not be romantic, but it's there. There's certainly a closeness and an allegiance that 
that he has had. A, a really strong bond of friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I hope One it stays I'm, that way. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm finding interesting here, uh, especially with the character of Rowan in, in this book, and, and I think I've mentioned it before, is these books are primarily aimed young adult and 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 specifically young female adult is their target audience. Now, of course, we're all older men and we're enjoying it, so it's not clearly just for that target demographic. But it's definitely written uh, in in that way, and and from having not read a lot of uh, books, fiction or otherwise, that are aimed in that direction, it's very interesting to see how the male characters are written, uh, especially with, like, Rowan and some of the others, and how they're, uh, I don't know if objectified is quite the right word, but kind of like the reversal of of the way that they're described and how most, most books would have described, like, uh, the female characters is now being applied to the, to the male characters. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Is it safe so, to say that well, that... It, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was going to move on, so go ahead and finish your thought. Well, I was just going to echo uh, what uh, David said, is that they almost feel a little bit, and they are not this, but like Harlequin romances, um, yeah. a little bit about that idea of the way they object the male. And, yeah. and I haven't read, and mind you, I paged through them. I have not read them, but... But just my understanding of them, and this when you said it, it just kind of hit me that this it reminds me a little bit like that. I in no way felt I felt like I was always and like through the entire series felt like I was reading a good fantasy series. But right, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that that's it. This isn't a complaint. This is just like an observation. It's fun yeah. to me to kind of explore the side of the art that I normally have not uh, taken in. Um, and it's not an extreme or anything, but it's, it's neat to see the differences and it's kind of eye opening when you think about how it would be to always read a book, uh, and have, you know, like for a girl to always read a book and have the women kind of put in this position, right. uh, I can understand. It's just eye opening, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you, it, one of the beauties of this, of this series is you have a fantastic, strong female central character and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's uh, it's good to see that in in fantasy literature, which typically has traditionally been more male dominated. Right. Yeah. So let's move along and talk about Queen Maeve. What are your you guys' impressions of Maeve? So Queen Maeve, uh, the uh, um, I kept thinking Shakespeare because <laughs> because there's a because there, of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Mercutio has this one huge diatribe to Queen Maeve um, that he has, Queen Mab, I guess it is, which there's also a Mab in the running in the mix here. But it kept reminding me of, uh, she's interesting and a bit of an enigma as an aunt. And um, yes, that's all I'm going to say. I was kind of surprised how little of the book she was in. You know, they talk about her all the time, but she's really only in it at the very beginning and the very end. Yeah, I mean, she starts yeah. a cha- she starts a challenge in some way and say, "Okay, if you can do this," and then that at the end they have the whole you know confrontation, yeah. which was absolutely beautiful. Because um, they kind of they they paint her as the big bad, but she's not really the big bad, at least in this book. Right. She is a bad, just not the big bad. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, she's got a lot of people convinced that she is the big bad. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, yeah. So she's, but yeah, she was, uh, yeah, she was there at the beginning and the end. And I, and I just thought that was an epic scene right? with, uh, with, with her and, uh, losing Rowan's loyalty, which apparently he didn't, oh, he didn't give, give it other than the reason he, because he was obligated to. Right. Right. And this is interesting. There's a, I, there's this idea of. I mean, Queen Maeve has this cadre of like, I'm going to call them super soldiers that are like Rowan, right? These four others that are kind of her henchmen, her harem, so to say, um, that are kind of, they, they will do her bidding. And it's interesting just to see that whole power struggle that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 They're Rowan's friends, but they're not. Right. They, they're only Rowan's friends as long as, did you say Maeve? Is that how you're saying Queen, Queen Maeve. Yeah, Queen Maeve. Maeve. Um, they're, only, they're only friends with Rowan as long as she allows it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Or as long as it doesn't conflict with, yeah. with an order. Right, right, right. Yeah, that is interesting. So back in Adderland, we have a very interesting situation developing with Dorian, who is falling in love with someone that is well below his station. He has a habit of doing this. He did this in the first book with Slane. Yeah. This guy cannot catch a break. Yeah, yeah. but this is not this is not a casual relationship. This is uh this developed into something that was dangerous. Um, for him. Uh, and you see that at the very end, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was interesting because initially, um, we find out at the end that she's a spy, right? Mm -hmm. And but she and is in, in, like she's with the rebel movement trying to glean information, and. But then, jump, then ends up falling truly in love with the person she's supposed to be reporting on, which wasn't mm -hmm. supposed to happen. So it's truly, it's truly a loss for Dor Dorian when the king they kill her, right? Yeah, they kill her. They behead her. Yeah, yeah. the king does, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, he has he has her killed uh, right in front of right in front right. of Dorian. Yeah. I I was sad that she died. I mean, I, I honestly, he was already starting to work with the rebels. So, yeah, it's interesting because I mean, uh, that, that that the entire throne room scene there, um, you know, uh, Adian, you know, he he gets you know imprisoned, and then he basically stalls the king so that Kale can escape. It's just an, it's a, the the entire way that plays out is absolutely be beautiful, but in the process. Uh, Dorian has given himself up. Mm. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it, there's, there's, it's going to go the way it's going to go, and it'll be fine. But it would have been interesting to have that relationship, like in the next book, if he, if the, if she would have survived, or they would have escaped, or whatever, to then explore them dealing with the backlash of her having been a spy and her feelings right. being real, but. You know, 
Right. Well, that, you the, know, her getting close to him under false pretenses. And at the end of this book, is this? Does the king put a collar around his neck? Is that kind of what happens? Yeah. 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 I mean, this. I almost went. With, I mean, because we knew by this time what the collars did to people, and. And, and holy Hannah, I nearly, I nearly metaphorically threw this book when Dorian got that collar on him. I'm like, that's it. I don't want to read any more. This is pissing me off. I love Dorian. Why is this happening to him? Well, Dorian, and and I and I agree with you because Dorian is a hero, and and he's not cared for what's going on the whole time. And now he's finally finding his uh, a foothold so that he can stand up and say, this is wrong and it has to stop. And, you know, and he has the magic to back himself up with. Right. But, but he, I think he played his hand way too early. And uh, now, now he's in trouble and he's going to require being rescued. Now, if this had not happened to him, um, instead, if he was successful overthrowing his father and taking the kingdom over, there'd be no need for any other books because <laughs> right. true, true. there'd be peace everywhere. That's right. And Selena could say, oh, okay, well, I'm done. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So this and needed to Sorsha, happen. Sorsha, I was, I was disappointed to find out that she was not a nice person. Yeah, I was surprised. It, it, I don't. I didn't feel like there was anything like uh, building up to that. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and I would there agree. Was, like, there's no hint that she's working in the underground. Because yeah, because we even spent some time like narratively in her mind too. Yeah, and she was she was conflicted as hell. You know, she she liked Dorian all the time and didn't want and knew that a relationship with her would get him in trouble. But at the same time, you know, she just couldn't help herself. And it was just really back and forth with her. And I thought, wow, you know, this is this is a neat story, even though it's a little sappy, but it's still it's still kind of a neat story. Right. And then to find out that she is was looking for information as well that that uh that was kind of a slap in the face all right so uh you know kale was was a character that you mentioned earlier uh that was okay he's a character that i think has been kind of abused by the author <laughs> seriously fair enough he, in the first in the first book he was strong he was resilient he was a hell of a warrior um and then in the second book he was kind of reduced to a quivering bowl of jello <laughs> right <laughs> where he could hardly function because he was getting it on with selena and now back in this book he is back to himself again which i really appreciated well, and he doesn't know what he, he he doesn't know what side he wants to stand on, you know. Yeah. And that, I think that's the thing. Um, I like Kale in the later books much better than I like him in this book. But he, and not the and there there are parts of him I like. Like I certainly 
Like he's kind of forced into the resistance at the very end, but throughout the entire book, he's kind of waffling in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not only is he waffling on what he wants to do, he, he's also lacking figuring out where he, he can serve a purpose. I mean, it's, it's more than just being like, I don't know if I agree with these people or not. It's all, it's also like, even if I'm with them, what, what, difference does it make? right well he doesn't he also does not want to go home and fulfill his destiny there oh no he doesn't you know so he he doesn't want to continue working under the conditions that he is in with Adderlin, you know and and the way the king is doing things he doesn't want to be a part of that and he doesn't want to be a part of what his father wants for him and so he's kind of a, a man without a country. Yeah, I, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel bad for him, but it, it, and he's still pining away over Selena. But, um, you know, I think if the two of those, if the two of them got together, I think it would be one very, very strong um, alliance. Right. And I, you know, they'll probably wind up getting together, but it, you, you definitely see his, from his perspective, like at the end of the last book, he found out who she really was. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in this book, he's like, has to deal with it. Rev- that she's not just an assassin that he fell in love with. She's a queen. And to him, she's still just Selena, but then he meets, you know, a- Adian and, and, um, Murtaugh, the other Murtaugh, rebel guys Murtaugh, and, and begins and to see what she means to them, even though she's not real to them yet. Right. So, you know, ha- he has to live with the legend now and kind of learning her from that aspect. Well, they yeah. don't, and, and Adi and Murtaugh and Ren don't know that Aelin's alive. Right. Right. Not yet. No. <laughs> but they, they talk about her. Right. As if she was like, if she returns. And, right. And takes the kingdom and so is that more like when she returns. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Good point. That, that they know that that she is going to return and that she is going to make things better. But, no, I hear you. Then there was now there was this little side story that that kind of wound through in and out with Manon Blackbeak. Yeah, it's actually Manon, non-black. Manon? Yeah, Manon. Thank you. Yeah. Manon. Yeah, fascinating. And she's actually introduced in in book two, at least the the, the witches are introduced with Baba Yellowlegs. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and even though Baba Yellowlegs is not part of the beat clan, she's a witch, that's part of the, the whole thing. And the, don't they start the book out with Manon, if mm-hmm. I'm correct? And I'm like, mm-hmm. why are we following this lady? Um, and okay, she's this witch killer herself, and she's a witch. Uh, she's hunting this crimson or whatever. Um, that's not, this, but this other type of witch that she's kind of hunting, and she's called back, and and you kind of follow her story. But in this book, it seems very kind of unrelated, except that they're kind of on the hunt for the killer of Baba Yellowlegs. Yeah. Well, and the that the king has now brought them all together and given them dragons. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, liver, like that's kind of right. the, he's making a magical army of his own. Right? Yes, a, another magical army of his own. But I really felt like, like you said, this felt very, very disconnected, and it was almost jarring every time it went back to her story. She could have been her own book, like e- easily. That that yeah. being said, David, uh, I I did. She did grow on me. So that by the end, oh, I like it. Yeah, and, yeah. and by the end, I'm like, oh, oh, we're back with Manon. Good. What's going to happen, Manon? Um, and and I'm left hanging and saying, okay, what the author's done is introduce a storyline that we are going to see intersect with our main characters eventually. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so I, I, she was a very she was a fascinating, ruthless, uh, character, but with a little bit of heart, a little bit of heart. We're gr- we're going to be really grateful for them taking the time this book to establish her later on i'm sure and i I think it would have been too much to cram it into another book i agree and i wonder david when we talk about this feeling like a sophomore book if this is not one of the reasons it feels like it because that storyline is incomplete it's almost like empire strikes back right you get to the end and the storyline's not finished you know there's more coming and i feel like i think in part this feels like a sophomore book only because we're getting this Manon Blackbeak that's introduced here, and we're like, okay, what's going to happen? And then Abraxos being a part of it, who I'm not right. convinced hasn't been created from a human being, but hmm. I don't that, know. That's, that's an interesting observation. Well, I hadn't thought that of sounds that. like Mr. Rita had no, thoughts. I'm going to be honest, they never answer that question. So <laughs> it's still a question I have. So where do the where do the wyverns come from? Well, we know that King Otterlin created right they seem to be manufactured some am i correct i thought he was just i was under the impression that he just captured the last ones and was breeding them oh maybe maybe you're right maybe i just missed that because to me they were an established part of like because don't they talk about people used to ride them like long ago and then magic was gone and they kind of disappeared right so i kind of felt like when he took over and got rid of magic he captured them the ones that were left right and Used him for his own thing. Could That's be. my interpretation. Could be, but I, I like the uh, the story, the 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 aspect that Scott brought up of them being once people, because you know you could see that the they all had personalities. Well, and I think that's what that's what gave it away. That's what made me think. Like, like we know that Adelin has been doing some bad mojo with the word keys. And we don't know exactly everything that he's been doing. We aren't privy to it, but there's been creatures that have been created by him. And so I'm like, well, why not the wyverns? Or why not blend human beings with the wyverns? And maybe there's that. But again, I don't have anything to really substantiate that except a gut feeling, by the way. And it's it's basically exactly for that reason that he gave like a Braxos a personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that, that little thread that ran all the way through and, you know, it's just giving you a hint of this is going to be coming in the future and it is going to be a major part of the future. And, you know, you can just see everything starting. It's going to come together at some point and it is going to be an all out battle, um, to end all battles, really. Yeah. But now, 
some yeah. some things that I don't understand. Wyvern, why are why are dragons called wyverns? <laughs> uh, a wyvern is a different type of dragon. Uh, it. Let me just look at here. Yeah, a wyvern is like a. It's long. It doesn't have front. Uh, like the Game of Thrones dragons are are wyverns. They don't have front arms. They're two legged, and then they have wings. Okay. Well, like a classical dragon would be four legged with wings. So are the the dragons in this book? Are they could could they be called worms? Is that also? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a lot of times when they refer refer to a, a worm dragon, it's like a wyvern, like a really long, skinny version of a wyvern. Okay, see, I'm learning. I'm learning about this fantasy stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. That's, no, I hear you. It's a good question because I. I automatically said, oh, they're kind of dragon-like, and I just kind of swapped them in interchangeably, so I didn't even know that. Yeah, I guess there are different kinds of dragons. There's the ones with the wings and the front legs, and the ones without the front legs, and um, then you go like in, um, oh, what's that game my daughter's been playing with Link? So, oh, so here's, the wild? here's the difference. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's a, um, a that's an Asian dragon. I forget what that's called. Okay, so but it would be it would be more similar to a typical dragon. So a worm has no wings or legs. A wyvern has back legs and wings. A dragon has four legs with wings. A lindworm only has front legs. Ooh, that's uh, in amphithere, which I'd never heard of, is a worm with wings, and a drake is four legs without. Those are the types, the six types of dragon. Wow. Hmm. See, you learn something all the time. That's right. Here on the Orbital these, Sword. These word keys, we learn that the word keys go with the word gates. That's right. Yeah. And that's the only way that they're really useful is when the word keys are coupled again with the word gates. Is is that right, or am I missing missing something? Right, and they can look like ordinary they, things. They they act and they act. They have power apart from the word gates, because I mean that's part of Audelin's power. Partly, at least, they seem to be indicating that somehow this word key is giving him power. Hmm. Brother, doesn't he have two? I thought he had two. Yeah. Well, we. And I'm not sure that we know that. I don't know that we know that there that he has a second one or not. They suspect he has a second one. And um, and she she has the third one's the the ring well, or something right. She she had at the end doesn't she real isn't isn't there a vision that she's wearing a pendant? Um, when she gets thrown into the river. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something that she and, she had and she, it. And she and she realizes like she had it. She no longer has that word key, but she knows that that's the third word key is in that. Yeah, she was told to run by a governess or by someone that was taking care of her. Right, and she was told to run, and she ran, and the and the knight chased her down. She fell in the river and was unconscious, and when she woke up, she no longer had had that amulet. And, and and she thought she had lost it, but later on discovered she did not lose it, that it had been actually taken from her. Right. 
by and she has to get it back and that's what she was talking to uh her aunt about was right where the whereabouts of this to get it back right see i thought she was talking to her aunt because she didn't know what the third one was and then she had that vision and she still met with her aunt and realized her aunt had no clue and that's when it kind of became apparent that her aunt wanted the word keys for herself right mm-hmm. as well as how her aunt how Maeve wasn't looking to and tr- she wasn't always after how to troll uh, Selena she wanted to know how much of the fire magic was in her because that's what she was afraid of right because mm. the fire magic is what defeated her last time she tried to get the uh, word right word together right mm. Yeah. All I need is one more explanation, and then I'm going to hand it off to Scott. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's this? What's this? Faye. What are Faye? Uh, what is Faye? I, I, I'm not even sure how to phrase the question correctly. A Faye is uh, a magical beast. <laughs> I, I, I envision them kind of like elves. They're, they're kind of like elves. Uh, they aren't fairy because fairy are these little creatures running around the woods. Um, but they are fae. And they, 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 the closest equivalent I get here is that they're, when I think of them, I think of elves. Not only because they have the features of elves, like the pointed ears and stuff. Um, but that, that's the way I interpret Fae is an interchangeable term for a fairy or, or like a small elf type magical creature. It's usually a smaller magical creature and they're usually woodland i mean usually they call them like the woodland fae or the water fae and they they're have an affinity towards some sort of uh natural thing that they kind of gather around uh or or like a gnome type little thing but but these the these fae are not short okay selena and rowan are they fae yes do they refer to them as fae in the book um i Yes, Ro- Rowan especially, okay. and she and, and they say Selena's fey heritage. That's that's where her magic comes from. Yeah, it's just yeah. another in, in this book. They're using it as another way of saying like a magical being, right? Oh, it's okay. a, a general term, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. But, Take over, Scott. <laughs> well, it's, it's important that we do talk about the Vog. I think a little bit before we move in there. Ah, uh, the Vog. Uh, Okay, because we are only at we are only beginning to encounter the Vog, and they um, we know that they are somehow responsible, or at least it's indicated that they're responsible for the word keys in some ways. Um, but they become central creatures in future books. So, okay, and and you see them. The most prominent thing is the battle between Selena when they're trying to quelch Selena's fire and she outlasts them and faces her fear. Which, by the way, we didn't talk about that battle, but that battle outside yeah. the castle when that happens, one of my favorite parts of the book. Oh, gosh, yeah. That was scary, wasn't it? Oh, it was because you didn't know if she was going to make it out, right? Well, we knew you, you knew that you knew theoretically she would, <laughs> but, but, but they had, the author wrote it in such a way or like, Ah, she's up the creek without a paddle here. You know, she's. Oh, geez, she was burning herself out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just phenomenal. 
she was actually being consumed by her own magic. Right. And also this idea that the Vogue feed on fear. Interesting, you know, that the more she gave into the fear, the more they had control of her. And it was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Vogue forged the word keys, from what I understand. So. Well, we will get further clarification of that in future books. Oh, okay. So I thought the word keys were, were forged to open the door for the Vogue to come through, no? Yes, to some yeah. degree. But the, but the word okay. keys really serve a much greater purpose, and you, you'll get, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Okay. It's to decipher the, the passage on the back of your cereal. Right, right, right. It's like <laughs> the secret decoder ring. So, but. Yeah. <laughs> Send in five box tops. Yeah, five. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's been a I long would... time since I heard that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember doing that in the 70s. Me yeah. too. <laughs> well, not the seventies, but I remember doing it. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Oh. And oh, don't my. forget to drink your Ovaltine. That's right, our tang. <laughs> but <laughs> tang. We got a pitcher full of tang right now upstairs. <laughs> oh dear. Do they? I yeah. even... Stuff is still good. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Scott, why don't you take over with the uh, favorite points of plot thing? Well, I just shared one of my favorite points was that battle. And not only that, but you see like the cod Rowan's cadre come to fight with him and um and to battle and it's it's pretty intense and um and i and again the that entire thing was really that that and that was probably my favorite i i had three favorite scenes that was one and uh the other one we mentioned before was the throne room scene where Kale runs and in and, and Adian's caught and uh, and so is like that scene was powerful and to see the way she, he almost stops his father with his ice magic and stuff. Um, and then the third one I'll wait because I'll let you guys talk. But um, okay. David, why don't you go ahead and share? Do you have a favorite scene that you want to talk about? Sure. I mean, I I like the the big fight at the end too with the the fog but i i I also really enjoyed the this is kind of to say scene this is kind of a long setup but the the discovering the cave with where the vog are and then running from the one and having like the way they pitted the uh i forget what those creatures are called in the uh the ones that eat people at night the skin pitting them against that yeah the skin yeah the skin eaters or whatever pitting them against the Vogue and and working it so that the the two like the two monsters would fight each other and kill each other. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, that was brilliant. Jim, how about you? Yeah, I like I liked um I like the Selena Rowan story a lot. Um I, I like the way that 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 it developed and then completely flip-flopped, which is something I, I never expected to have happen. Uh, I thought for sure that, you know, Selena would get trained and then she'd be on her own and not that Rowan would, would become, um, well, he, he offers to be a servant, but, uh, she, she still treats him as, as an equal 
probably because she's grateful for his training. But, uh, you know, and he doesn't want her to leave alone. And how he just completely flip-flopped and became subordinate to her where he could have killed her easily at any point and almost did. Right. Right. I think the other scene that I really like is the confrontation at the end with Maeve. Like you see her power with fire and just the entire, entire thing was incredible. So I, I did yeah. like that confrontation a lot. Selena's fire was more powerful. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I don't know what other, uh, parts. I mean, I like our introduction into her, you know, you find you encounter her and she's on the roof and she's a lush, you know, she's just getting drunk and hanging out on the roof. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, and this is not really a scene, but something I, I thought was interesting was, uh, Adian, when he revealed that he had that dark ring, but he figured something else up with it immediately and, and switched it for a fake. I like I like that reveal mm. that he wasn't under he was acting like he was being really like the king's bad boy and totally under his control. And like when uh Kale goes to the all the parties and everyone's like, I think I just saw him downstairs and kind of like he's he's gravitas is so large that no one even needs to really see him to feel like he's, you know, just around the corner. Wanna move on to quotes then? Yeah, let's do that. Mm. I have a few here. And I, and, okay. and, but Jim, let's go with yours first. Oh, well, thanks. All right. So this is, uh, from that, that final scene in the King's room where everyone is revealed and, and, um, uh, the, the little girl, the, the nurse girl, uh, good night. Sorsha gets killed and Kale's right. had enough. Okay. Kale right. kept his sword drawn. I will not go to Aniel, he growled, and I will not serve you a moment longer. There is one true king in this room, and there always has been, and he is not sitting on that throne. Dorian stiffened, but Kale went on. There is a queen in the north, and she has already beaten you once, and she will beat you again and again because what she represents and what your son represents is what you fear the most, hope. You cannot steal it, no matter how many you rip from their homes and enslave, and you cannot break it, no matter how many you murder. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was a powerful quote. If that was a, a word description of a picture of Kale, that would be the picture that I want to see all the time. <laughs> right. How about you, Scott? So oh. like there are, I have some shorter ones and, uh, but this is, um, there's a line that says that stuck out to me. goes, I wish you to become who you were born to be, to become a queen. And I think that that line, like this is really, I feel like this sums up ALN for me on this book. Because up until this point, like at the end of book two, she we find that she's of that lineage. But this really is her accepting 
that role again. Um, that she is the rightful heir to the throne. Uh, not only, I mean, the book's called Heir of Fire, but it's not only a fire, it's, it's, an, it's an heir to a dynasty that she's kind of walked away from. Well, it was taken away from her, but she's also kind of walked away from it. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of trying to embrace that. But Yeah. I wonder how much this is going to be like, now that we're just talking about it, Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, her next thing will be learning how to master her water side right. of her powers. Anyway. Yeah. I like, All right, I, I don't have any quotes. I have, I have um, one other quote, because I think that... Okay, go ahead. Um, and I'll end with this. Uh, she, was not, she was not becoming anything different from what she's always was and always had the capacity to be. You just finally saw everything, and once you saw that other part of her, you cannot pick and choose what parts of her to love. Just as you cannot pick which parts of me you accept. And I think that that's a truth. Aelin's a complex character. And you look at all the different facets and everything she is, and yeah, you, you can't love part of it and hate another part. You, you, can't, you, you either accept the, the whole package. And so I like that. Well, let's get into uh, our closing thoughts and our ratings of the book. Um, typically, we ask, you know, would you read this? Would you recommend this to someone who doesn't like, uh, would you recommend this book to someone who's not, not read the series and so forth? I really don't think that we're at a point where these books can stand alone anymore, so I'm just skip that. Instead, I'm going to say at this point, what are your thoughts on this book uh, rating out of five and... At this point in the series, is this something that you would recommend as a whole to uh, your friends? Go ahead, Jim. Okay. Uh, Yes, I would recommend this uh, definitely to someone who is like, I'd like to get into fantasy and I don't know what to read. And I might, I would probably suggest this is probably something that is easy to understand for someone who is not familiar with, uh, with fantasy. Uh, it's got great characters. It's, it's got some epic action. It has all the, all things that are really, really good. And it kind of keeps moving. It, It holds your interest. So, you know, um, great book. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to say 4.5 out of 5. Okay. How about you, Scott? 4.5 out of 5 for me as well. Um, it, uh, and while I acknowledge some of the criticisms that uh, was, they went, when I say criticism, I don't mean that in a bad way, but the idea of echoing the first book, I acknowledge that. This is a very good book, and we get a depth to Aelin that we didn't experience. We get introduced to the phenomenal character Manon Blackbeak. In some ways, I almost wanted to argue with you, Dave, when you said, well, you really can't start this. You know, you have to go back to book one. And I think that the series is definitely worth reading. And you might be right. We do need to go back to back book one in order to get the full context. But in a lot of ways, the story kind of starts afresh here on this new continent with Rowan and, and Elena 
And yes, we get to Otterland and what's happening in Otterland seems to be, you would lose a little bit of context for that. Um, you have a, you have some new stories here. And so a book probably can't stand on its own, but almost, almost can stand by itself. And, uh, certainly, um, is a, is a good contributor to the, uh, three book series that we read so far. I, yeah, I, I, you know, give it a four out of five, um, uh, mostly cause of that, that sophomore hump that I kept feeling, especially at the beginning. Um, I still think this is a fabulous book. Uh, I just, uh, it's not like a five out of five for me. And, uh, I don't think it's the best of the three so far. Um, but, uh, I'm still very much enjoying it and, and I'm looking forward to more of the series. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't wait, uh, till the next time we pick it up. It's kind Somehow. of, a, it's kind of a transitional book too. Yes. Cause we've got, we've got our main character now maturing and growing. Which is, which is interesting because what happens is she's developing all this magic. When she goes back to Otterland, that's magic's going to be gone again. Right. Which is why she had to left, leave Rowan behind. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I, I, I did very much, and I absolutely would recommend this to someone uh, who is not a, a fantasy person or, or maybe wanting to try out fantasy um, or even someone who, who already loves fantasy. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a really good series. So, Absolutely. Uh, moving on to our, our next book. Uh, next month, we're going to be reading uh, Expeditionary Force, Columbus Day. Right, Greg Allenson. This has been uh, recommended by Scott several times. We're finally going to check it out. Uh, I don't want to say that we're throwing him a bone, but <laughs> but maybe you like are. Maybe are. you are. But, <laughs> you know, I, and this is a little bit of unique. Um, I guess we could argue that the Expanse novels are a little bit military sci-fi, but this one definitely is much more militaristic sci-fi. Um, and it raced, and, and the first half is really that feel. Um, but it's one of these books where not everything is as it seems. And that's what I love about it. Um, oh, good. So, uh, so, uh, I'm hoping you guys enjoy it. If you don't, well, you know, we don't love each, you know, we don't, if we all liked it, the same books, you know, how interesting would that be? So, um, but I'm hoping you guys the, like the it. return of the rant master. Yes. Yes. Bring it. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we'll see. We haven't had the rant master on in a little it, bit. It's been a long time since. Yeah, you, yeah haven't, I, you haven't done a rant for quite a while. I think. Oh my word! I broke I broke it out on the on the Penn Cinema podcast this week, and Penn was not ready for the rant master. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, that's <laughs> funny. Well, you know, do you know why your rant master Ness has not been happening? Is because of the cool, soothing tones of Jim's lute. Yeah, it has. So I can get me through quarantine. Yeah, I mean. That that's like the I get up in the morning, I just throw on Jim playing the lute, and I'm good for the day. I don't know about you, but it, you can't really enjoy Jim's lute playing unless you use a, a viola to play it on. Yeah, well, that's, that that and the hurdy gurdy, you know, that totally yeah. does. <laughs> but, but I'm so confused. Uh, so, <laughs> did I call it the wrong thing? The viola, the big tube. Big horned, 
record player. Isn't that what that's called? Oh, <laughs> oh, a Victrola. 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 <laughs> Victrola. That's why it didn't make Vi- sense. Viola is a string instrument. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. I was confused. Like, hmm. It is. You can you can find Jim's loop playing on vinyl. You can buy it at Amazon or every good anywhere. <laughs> any good records are sold. So um, that'll be the day. Yeah, so uh, make sure you check out. Just type in Jim Arrowhead. It's going to pop up in Amazon. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the, the book will be, we're not going to have a poll next week because we're going to be, next month because we're going to be continuing the fantasy story of uh, The Throne of Glass with Queen of Shadows by Sarah J. Mouse. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see you all back for that review and the review of Expeditionary Force Columbus Day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that about wraps it up. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what you think about books, best way to do that is theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. You can also hit us up on the voicemail, and that is? Uh, 1260-577-CHAT, 1260-577-2428. Awesome. Uh, th- thanks for all everyone who's joined us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theorbitalsword or on Twitter at, at @orbitalsword. Uh, and of course, a big thank you to everyone who uh, has visited our Patreon. Um, it helps support us there. Uh, so I think that about brings us to the end. So once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Bolton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile, you're the angel. If I fall from the fire, I'll get caught with your love. I'll get caught with your love, you're my angel. I will never try to get caught. I will live
Miss you. 